ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, tie-in time is here. That's right, we're talking Dr. Giggles on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from More High? As if that is a place, this is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the goriest of details from 1992's Dr. Giggles in the hopes that a horny teen's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we could make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person I trust that when I need to get that condom out of the toilet, she'll fish it out for me with my toothbrush. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? That's a horrible lie. I would (laughs) never do anything like that. But if I asked you to specifically use my toothbrush to fish a condom out of a toilet, you would refuse me somehow? I would at least use the handle. My God. (laughs) I have a feeling that that is not the first time Stu's little brother's toothbrush has made a fishing expedition into that toilet. Well, you know, there's your, your his first mistake was putting on the condom before anything happened, <laughs> which now that's not, that's not going to work, Stu. He definitely yeah. should have. He definitely should have showed up for gym class on the day they were just giving out condoms. Like that was actually <laughs> happening in high schools in 1992. That that would have been nice. Um, I don't know. Well, we'll get into it. We're going to get there. But uh, before we do that, I don't want to scare you, Gina. But uh, we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. She is the screenwriter of 2019's Black Christmas, the host of one of my favorite shows, Switchblade Sisters, on the Maximum Fun Network, and she is also a returning champion to Kill by Kill, the one, the only, April Wolf. How are you doing today, April? Hey! Hi! Um, I'm alive and ready to talk about kills. That's right. Now, when I mentioned on Twitter that I was enjoying a movie that I did not recall watching the first time, mm-hmm. Dr. Giggles, you mentioned that you own the DVD. So this is a movie that you hold in high regard, I assume. I really do. I've seen it way too many times. Actually, not way too many times because it's still good every single time I watch it. It is it, brilliant. It is a quality film and I think one a little bit lost to time And I'm as much as fault as anyone because I remember going to see it, but I don't recall having an opinion about it. So where were you when you first witnessed Dr. Giggles? Well, I'm going to (laughs) sneeze. No, no, you're not going to sneeze. You don't come on the show and sneeze. Not on the show you told as a professional operation. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, I'm back. Um, (laughs) My allergies are terrible right now. I... Truly don't remember exactly the first time that I saw it, but it was it was definitely home video. And my stepdad at the time, who was this big, burly, uh, like NRA motherfucker, um, with a huge gun cabinet downstairs. He used to rent movies to to watch in his little man cave down there. And um, he also is just like I I think he's just like such a wuss. Um, even though he, like, I think that's why he's so into all these, like, can't take away my guns kind of bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so I remember that he had rented it one night and he wasn't like a horror person. Although my, my sister and I, because we were raised by my grandparents predominantly before we lived with him and my mom, um, we loved horror so much. And so he rented that and we were like, really, you're going to watch that. And then we remember all of us in the house waking up to the house, just fucking shaking because this giant dude was just barreling up the stairs because he was afraid of the dark after this movie. And after that happened, I was just like, I need to watch this. And, um, and I watched it and I was just like, this is not scary to me, but this movie is amazing. And, uh, it did not make me afraid of the dark, but it made me feel like I had one up on this guy. (laughs) I mean, I think that's fascinating that this popcorn horror movie, which is very glossy and of its time, though, mm-hmm. uh, was able to frighten a grown man uh, when it's like Freddy Krueger if you dressed him up in a nice three-piece suit. Yes, it's just like all these amazing one-liners um, <laughs> and a, a kind of self-awareness that is also n- not too much to for the filmmakers to trip over when they're making their homages to classic horror films and i think it's just a glossy beautiful movie (laughs) people think i'm you know a little bit nutty when i'm when i'm saying like no like this is amazing it's gorgeous it's like something you should study and and like i truly believe it (laughs) well it's it's very professional for what it is like at the time there weren't a ton of slashers being made it was sort of out of mode they'd finally killed off freddy krueger i think the year before mm-hmm. and so you have kind of an empty spot that it fills and this is before we get to new nightmare and scream which really deconstruct the genre oh yeah in a grand way yeah because craven was doing people under the stairs in 91 and you know he was kind of into this over-the-top horror comedy stuff and i think that manny Cotto kind of caught the wind of that and but but he was doing you know a, a both a throwback horror film and a uh, 1980s slasher in 92 and it's just it fell out of time and out of place which is probably why it didn't completely get the you know, it's a do yeah. um, just because context is so key when it comes to evaluating movies. But, you know, watching it now, I'm like, no, this is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> it is very old fashioned, but not in a start, but in a very, I hate that you keep using the word professional, but like it, a lot of the slashers that we've talked about on the show, even mm-hmm. Friday the 13th things have been kind of haphazard (laughs) and how they come across Mm -hmm. and this feels like oh no this person understands how a movie is constructed and and it's full of weird and wonderful details gina when was the first time you came across dr giggles well I, i know that i mentioned quite a few times that there was a period between 1990 and 1996 where I was still living in Southern New Jersey where I grew up and there was nothing to do except hang out at people's houses and drink or go to the movies. Mm -hmm. So I saw a a great deal of movies that, that have long been forgotten in, in the theater. And one of those movies was Dr. Giggles. And like you, Patrick, my, my memory of it was, was limited to, well, I recall seeing that movie in the theater and and I recall that that um, uh, Larry Drake was in it, and that he had a yes. weird laugh. 
And, <laughs> and then that was literally all I remembered. And I have to say, as as much as I'm enjoying it, this is this might as well be the first time I've ever seen it because none of this, none of it is coming back to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't remember. How do I not remember you know, someone getting ice cream sucked out of them? <laughs> Why do I not remember that? that? That should be like burned into my brain forever because I've never seen anything like that in a horror movie before. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this is both the second and the first time I've seen this movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oddly enough, you know, when we last were all together, and I put that in quotes because we do this over the internet, but the last time we all talked, we were discussing uh, Prom Night 2, a film which didn't really see a genuine theatrical release. It was released in areas, but it didn't, it was mostly seen on home video. Whereas Dr. Giggles was released in the middle of the summer, probably the dead end of the summer. I think it was August. And it just arrived and vanished into the vacuum of time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of a bummer. I, I, you know, I don't know that I would put it on the same level of how much I adore prom night too, but I will say that what they both have in common is that they're both trying for it's, you know, it's flaws. There's you know a lot of genuine effort being made to entertain the audience. And, and at this point that was hard to find. And, and by, by 92, that was very hard to find in, in horror movies. I mean, which slashers have um, a full homage to the lady from Shanghai? <laughs> you, t- you guys go ahead you know tell me like go go look up which slashers and and do it well too like this yes. is not a this is not like a, a kind of like silly thing like they actually like manny Cotto was just like no no i love orson wells <laughs> <laughs> like what how how did that happen uh and how how did you know like these beautiful um uh uh, kind of recreations of um, uh, Wales Frankenstein, um, you know, happen. Like this is a guy who clearly loves movies. And I was watching again today and I was just like, the shot composition of this movie is far too good for what this movie was billed, at, billed as. I, I just, I can't believe it sometimes. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. It, it, it has a, a sheen to it, and the 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 camera moves with purpose, and that's what a thing that I always like with certain filmmakers is that they have the confidence to go. You are going to be sitting still, but I'm going to make your mind move, and this is one of those movies that kind of does that. Uh, it fell into a, a weird space where there's some really cool horror 1992 that you kind of it just uh, floats in the miasma but it all happened around this time you've got Candyman, which talk about a glossy looking uh movie you got bram stoker's dracula which is fantastic you got alien 3 which is a glorious mess it looks awesome it's insane but it's an alien movie what more do you want you got sleepwalkers in there, which Gina and I personally love a little too much. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God bless. And Army of Darkness. Like, there's there's some cool shit happening in that that year that you... Yeah, but, you, what, but what do those movies have in common is, other than Candyman, none of them made... Well, okay, and Dracula. The other... Most of those movies didn't make a dime yes. in the theater. Not a, a horror, dime. Horror felt dead. And yet it wasn't. There was vibrant attempts here. Um, Unfortunately, one of those attempts was Prom Night 4, Deliver Us From Evil, a film I've yet to actually watch. Um, So let's get into this. Uh, This movie was released by Universal. It was a dark horse comics 
uh, production. Um, they were an independent comic book company. And apparently M- Manny Cotto came up with this idea and generally uh, pitched it in the height of uh, comic book mania. Uh, and Universal's like, sure, yeah, we'll pay $15 million for this. So we open with a journey through the human body via CGI. <laughs> it looks like the red the red blood cells look like pickled beets. Yes. Uh, it is uh, not it's not going to surprise anyone that this came out the same year as Lawnmower Man because they <laughs> don't look dissimilar in terms of their CGI. This is a oddly just, you know, what, one or two years before Jurassic Park and the leap it takes <laughs> from Dr. Giggles and Lawnmower Man to that is kind of insane. And we see uh, a guy uh, performing surgery on the human heart in what looks like a teaching hospital environment with a, they're looking down uh, onto the operating table and he's given us a lot of technical information. Uh, but it turns out he has zero desire to save that patient. He just wants to kill that guy. And that guy has turns out to be everyone's psychiatrist. I'm assuming in this mental hospital. Yeah. This part wasn't really clear to me, except that he eventually escapes from the hospital. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of a let's give them a Halloween, but you kind of understand what's going on a bit better. It's less smoke and mirrors and more giant gag effects. Um, the entire operating uh, theater is covered in blood by the time he's done there. He's actually severed off this guy's arms, which you don't see until the very next scene in which he puts those very newly cold <laughs> mitts on top of a nurse. <laughs> It's, he's sexually harassing a nurse with someone else's arms. And she's kind of into it, just not the right time. <laughs> yeah, you get the feeling like, this has happened before. This is not <laughs> new. What is going on here? She's also kind of into it, you know? Like, yeah. She's like, like this is her, uh, her secret love affair at work, you know? Maybe he's a work husband, a, a work doctor. Uh, maybe their personal giggles uh, are a little bit more lascivious. Uh, I also love a good exposition walk and talk. Uh, I think like maybe the head of security or something is walking with two orderlies and each of them has a separate piece of information that the other one doesn't. One knows that this guy's escaped. The other one knows the patient's number and the other guy knows the guy's nickname is Dr. Giggles. These are things that neither of them knew until all of them say it in a row. Yeah, that's great. It's perfect way to disseminate information quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I I love a slasher movie where uh, your first dead body shows up in less than three minutes. Like this baby is cooking. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it it just takes off from, from the get go. uh, So Arthur J giggles, uh, MD, we don't know (laughs) what his full name is. We will learn eventually, but he's let all the patients loose. uh, And he's sexually harassing nurses with severed arms. The man is a multitasker. Uh, And uh, in the middle of his murder of that nurse uh, by slapping with dead hands, we don't really know what happens to her, unfortunately. But he announces to the entire hospital via the PA system that laughter is the best medicine. The first of many, many, many medical puns. That's almost as almost entirely Larry Drake's dialogue is is (laughs) medical puns. And I I, love it. I just love it. He's I so don't good. hate it at all. Oh, and, my God. You know, after, you know, we we sort of, like, 
got over Freddy's use of punnage as it went on. It starts so good, and then it kind of ends in a very Looney Tunes place. Here, I don't seem to mind at all. Like, this is just how he lives his life, and I... I either come along for the ride or I reject it entirely. I've decided to just get in his Dr. Giggles mobile and enjoy the time we have together. Well, it's such a, it's such a good naturedly silly movie that, that I don't, I don't mind at all. The, the constant puns. Also doc, uh, uh, laughter is not the best medicine. If you're actually sick, it is. <laughs> no, Please yeah, no, like, like, like if you have like a kidney stone, you start laughing. Oh my God, it just hurts so much. <laughs> I, I, I speak from experience about this. It's like someone just punching you over and over again in the back. Oh, that sounds terrible. Like, oh, the other thing I, I noticed is that as uh, Dr. Giggles proceeds throughout the hospital, he loses more and more medical gear so that by the time he's outside, he's now taken his gloves off completely, <laughs> which I'm not sure why i mean yes they were bloody but they were bloody before it didn't really stop you when you murdered that nurse why, why does it stop you with the guy uh driving a nosemobile yeah i never thought about it i, I never noticed i just when you see the insert of the hands it's probably not larry drake's hands is what it comes down to mm. there's a continuity thing but also you see his hand like i don't know why he shed his gloves because he's just getting his hands bloody all over again but oh well I, I, who am I? I am, I don't have a medical degree. Dr. I mean, I, I think he, does. I think he kind of enjoys it. You know, I mean, I think he likes just getting in there and, you know, feeling around and all. It's kind of refreshing to have a killer with zero mystery to him. Like he's not a puzzle box. No. He's just, he's just a guy who, who likes to giggle and murder people. But there is the mystery of how he escaped when his father was trapped in that house when the townspeople tried to burn him down. So there is a mystery. There is a little puzzle. But other than that, it's just like, he's pretty much who he is. <laughs> yes. And then uh, now, uh, upon the murder of three people, he's freed himself, and he's gotten himself a sweet Oldsmobile, and he's trucking it, according to a map, uh, to a hastily uh, written more High, which... I think is cat like Northern California or it's Idaho. I can't really tell. Oh, I mean, it's uh, certainly Oregon. Is, is it Oregon? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I couldn't figure it out because <laughs> certain people have like uh, LA Dodgers caps and other people <laughs> are sporting 49ers gear. And then there's a, the five freeway. And I couldn't quite figure out based on the map because nothing ever says California proper. It's just this, mysterious locale yeah it's supposed to be oregon and i think they actually did shoot in oregon too oh well it certainly is lush it doesn't uh it does not look like california which is very very brown so uh this then transition uh, transitions us to uh our main cast uh who the residents of more high who apparently are the horniest people that have ever just graduated high school. It's also, it's also uh, apparently, I guess the high school is called Moore High High School. <laughs> That's like that joke that keeps on giving now. I did not pick that up, but that makes sense. <laughs> so good. <laughs> We're more High, not less High. More High High School. 
and we have the the classic group of friends that don't seem to seem like they actually like each other very much, which is always one of one of my favorite horror slasher movie tropes. Like these people would never, ever, ever spend more than fifteen seconds around each other in real life. Yeah, they're just waiting to graduate. They're just spending their their time like either uh, you know getting in each other's way. Or making life difficult for one another. And just, just sending like hateful stares at each other. <laughs> just like, oh, is that your boyfriend? I'm going to stare fuck daggers at him and while dr- we have a conversation. While while dressed like Ellie Mae Clampett for some reason. <laughs> I think because she wears it well. I mean, if I looked that much like Ellie Mae Clampett, I think I would try to pull it off all the time. I will say that this uh, this definitely just just as um, Freddy versus Jason encapsulated 2001 as far as its fashions, this really gets 1992 down. Oh, yeah. um, not, not so much the uh, the Ellie Mae Clampett look, but definitely um, the guy and the girl who sneak into the house. Yes, mm-hmm. that outfit she's wearing the the little floral print dress with the ballet flats. I uh-huh. I had the same outfit. That was just the the Luke of ninety two. <laughs> she even had the big old like hair bow like on 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 one side of her head. You know, you think that like ninety two was yeah. Oh, we were getting into the grunge era. Not quite. So we we no. weren't quite there yet. Ninety two. We were no. we were still mostly late eighties. I mean, this is uh this is released a mere nine months after Nirvana's Nevermind. Yeah, we weren't quite. It wasn't quite a fashion statement yet. No. No, it, everything is drab, floral prints, and unsupportive bras. Just, <laughs> everything is boxy and about five sizes too big for even the slenderest of individuals on display. Uh, and it is here that we meet our, our main heroine, one Jennifer Campbell, played by Holly Marie Combs, in the middle of her smash run on Picket Fences. And if you don't know what that is, here's a quick explainer. It's what uh, Twin Peaks was on CBS in that it wasn't fucking weird at all. And it had Tom Skerritt <laughs> and Tom Skerritt's mustache. I remember Picket Fences. I, I remember her being on uh, on Charmed when I remember Picket Fences. But Charmed was later, though, right? Yeah. Yes, Charmed yeah. would be the year after, I think, Buffy's uh, debut when the CW was like, oh, uh, like horror shit? Like supernatural stuff? Like, let's just do that. Charmed was the, its first response to people noticing that Buffy did not suck. Whereas uh, Holly Marine Combs' character on uh, on uh, Picket Fences was daughter. <laughs> she didn't, didn't really have and I'm sure a, she pl- a I'm sure she played the hell out of daughter. I'm sure she did. Uh, I don't remember anything about it other than I think in the pilot, someone finds a body in a a washing machine. And I'm like, oh, hey, someone watched my bloody Valentine. And I don't remember anything else. (laughs) Uh, But she does have a boyfriend that she doesn't seem to like very much, uh, who happens to be played by the late Glenn Quinn, uh, who would later be seen on another uh, Buffy uh, spinoff, Angel. And uh, he was he also is. on. He was also on Roseanne, which which again oh, is yeah. what I know him from. He was uh, Mark, not not yeah, yes. I was trying to remember which daughter's husband he was. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he was Mark. You're right. Yeah, and he has very tall hair in this. Just he's a cutie. Is. He's a cutie pie. He really is. He, he's <laughs> definitely he, he's definitely got that that early early '90s soft boy look. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
What's funny because like I think we found out probably like, you know, later with Roseanne and also for, you know, Angel that he could actually act. And then um in this movie he's not really getting he's not great, no. A huge shot. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with uh a lot of their outdoors dialogue being ADR and that just sucks the energy out of every single performance. Yeah. I think an ADR performance is really hard to pull off and it seems to be beyond almost everyone here. Luckily, anything interior, they seem to manage to get the sound on. Uh, But not since Friday the 13th uh, 3D's Rick have we had a hornier, less interested in listening boyfriend uh, than Glenn Quinn. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, everybody in this entire all every single teenager in this in this high school has apparently chosen this night to to lose their virginity because <laughs> this is like their primary goal. Yes. It's the only uh the only future they see for themselves is is doing it tonight and they've all picked out uh what is Gina's personal hell, oversized bowling shirts to wear <laughs> while doing it. <laughs> Like I said, uh, early, early 90s, we weren't cool yet. Man, these people are teens with a Z. They are really extreme. <laughs> I, I, do, like, I, I, I have to admit, I've, I have already forgotten the majority of the supporting characters' names. What was the name of the fellow who fished the condom out of the toilet? Oh, oh. that is Stu. Stu. Uh, okay. Because I, I did appreciate how Stu made sure to put his hat back on. After taking his shirt off before uh, jumping into bed with what he, with who he thinks is his lady friend. Oh, he man. Has- oh, the moment where he jumps into bed with the lady friend and, like, crawls through the covers is just, like, one of my favorite shots. In the I love it so much. Oh, it's so good. I love How it. How large is that bed? It seems to be a sea of satin to get all the way to Dr. Giggles. But that's one of the things that I love about this movie is just, like, this kind of... Um, like a really knowing discarding of reality to get a kind of dreamlike shot that they need or that they want. And, yeah. um, and, and it's really purposeful. It, it doesn't, it's, it's not because they didn't have the budget for it. It's because Manny Cota wanted it. So it's just like, great. It's kind of like the way that like in cats, like the, um, the, the disparities of the size of all the sets never bothered me. I was like, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever seen. You know? <laughs> Um, I, I, speaking of disparity in size, the amount of hair that's coming out of the front of Stu's hat, seems purposeful. Like this is his signature look. This oh yeah. This is how he <laughs> yeah. wants to be seen. Yeah. That hat's a, del- a very deliberate choice. Whereas the flower on the front of, uh, Holly Marie Combs, uh, top seems to be haphazardly just clipped there <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that's where her that was the hydra microphone it doesn't seem really attached to the shirt it's very odd and yet random flowers were you know pinned to one's clothing were again a, a look then yeah, well, like, absolutely like, true. like big silk flowers i i can't explain it i'm just recalling um the one thing i wish this sequence had more of is disgusted reaction shots b- by d barnes she gives great, like, oh, gross. <laughs> uh, why are you so horny? What's wrong with your hair? Why are all of you so white? It's, oh, I wish the camera lingered on her more because she's got great reaction shots. Uh, if you don't know who Dee Barnes is, please look up her uh, amazing history. I don't know that it's, the, this is the most appropriate place to talk about it 
but uh, she's a very cool cat. Anyways, uh, later Jennifer uh, visits her doctor. We learn that she has a non-emergency heart condition and that she is very annoyed by all of it. Uh, during the sequence, her attitude is like, kiss my ass, doctor. And we're not sure why that is. It is later explained that her mom has died having a routine operation. And so therefore she holds resentment against the uh, medical professionals of the world. It's nice that we're actually told that because otherwise you were like, why are you so weird right now? And also we learn that 1992, the only protections that the federal government uh, had for people living or uh, possibly exposed to AIDS and HIV was a very large poster in your doctor's office. (laughs) That's it. That's all you get. That and a condom message, (laughs) a very unsuccessful condom message and doctor giggles. (laughs) We learned that she may or may not have to have heart surgery, so she is fitted with uh, uh, basically a Walkman-looking thing uh, that will monitor her heart. Or or is there a nosy neighbor that's a weird radio? (laughs) While leaning down and pulling her shirt up because that's yeah. something that neighbors <laughs> do to each other in our in our pre-social distancing world. To me, it seems like that that neighbor character is so wonderful because it almost seems like a throwback to um, uh, uh, to Joe Dante doing that with Gremlins and yeah. the way that you know, Joe Dante was doing it was he saw it as a throwback to like older movies, you know, from the forties. And so it felt like an older kind of archetype that I was really excited to see uh, show up. Cause you don't, you know, that doesn't really exist in this, in that time, you know, she, uh, that, that actress also played the, uh, she was the, the head nurse in the Exorcist three mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. just, it's just an absolutely probably one of the best portrayals of, I, you know, of who could give a shit nurses in all of our just absolutely indifferent to anything that happens on her ward. Oh, yeah. You know, um, priest wakes up, he wakes up next morning, his head gone. Eh, you know, <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? I was <laughs> off duty. Smoke. <laughs> you know, like, she's she's also, very much, very much like the, uh, the hairstylist on the critic, just, you know, I Nothing phases her. her. She was also in Roseanne. She played a character in Roseanne for a little while. So the same thing with um, the the other actor, Quinn. And I, I remember her also being um, in another Dark Horse movie, The Mask, around oh, the same yeah. time. That's right. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she she might have been their lucky charm. Uh, it didn't work here. It sure as hell worked for The Mask. Um, and- well, we agree to disagree, I think, because <laughs> I love her. I only I only say that in terms of its financial success, not okay. in the success of the motion picture that it is. Something I <laughs> very much enjoy. But this is the first shot we get of the Dr. Giggles residence. Uh, and it, the fence in front of it looks like it was visited by Magneto having a hissy fit. <laughs> and it turns out that this house was broken into by the townspeople of Morehigh when they discovered that Dr. Giggles' dad was killing uh, his patients in the hopes of finding a heart that he could transplant into that of his very sick wife. So those are some very strong uh, residents of Morhai because that is a very serious iron fence they pushed their way through. Well, you know, they took some power pills, ate some (laughs) some floating cherries. (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Mrs. Henderson is the nosy neighbor. She's a 
sort of a flashback to uh, for me, she's is uh, sort of evoked that uh, bewitched, uh, mm-hmm. you know, model of a next door neighbor who notices that something's weird, but not until, but never sees it head on. And here it kind of bites her in the ass. But uh, Jennifer completes her walk home from the doctor's office uh, to her own house. Uh, and right out in front, we're presented with a Mazda Miata. Want to fuck Cliff Young more often? Drive a Mazda Miata. <laughs> uh, I assume the Mazda Miata is owned by uh, Michelle Johnson. Star, star of Blame It on Rio. Yeah. <laughs> star of one of the most fucked up, successful, oddly enough, movies of all time, Blame It on Rio, in which two guys are like, I don't know, you want to fuck each other's daughters? Oh, my God. What a crazy fucking movie. Highly, highly recommend the We Hate Movies episode on it, even though I think it broke their spirits. <laughs> I would agree with that. It was an excellent episode, and it is a confounding motion picture of every possible stripe. Uh, but uh, Michelle Johnson is playing Tamara, Huron referred to as fucking Tamara, because she is a prototypical uh, sort of step monster, but not quite. She's your dad's new girlfriend, and all she wants to do is get really sweaty with Cliff D. Young, who I know I've seen a million times, but registered almost no recognition in me other than, <laughs> because, oh, it's that guy. Because he wasn't playing an asshole, which he almost always does in every other movie he's ever been in. He always plays like a, a like the the antagonist in in Ghostbusters. He always plays that kind of character. <laughs> oh, he was he was a dad in the craft too. Boy, he had he had a run of uh, horror dads there. He was in he was in The Hunger. Okay. Uh, he was uh, Susan Sarandon's boyfriend that that she wisely left for Catherine to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck yes. And then she ended up killing him at some point. So you know, but yeah. he absolutely deserved it because he was a complete schmuck in it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that if you looked at his filmography, like, oh, I remember that he was a complete schmuck in that. Uh, I don't say that he's a complete schmuck in this. Other no, than- no, he's all right. I mean, you yeah, know, he, he's dating a woman half his age, but whatever. You know, <laughs> what I mean, he's a he's a new he's a he's a he's a new widower. You know, he's going through his midlife crisis. He's just trying yes. to get over his you know his loss. I understand it. You know, do you guys hear all these sirens? I do. Yes. Sorry. Uh, that's no. all right. I've kind of gotten used to that here. I'm in, unfortunately. Yeah, I've been trying to mute them out, but yeah, it's getting no, pretty it, bad right it, now. It, so I'm just going to mute myself. The world is so weirdly quiet now that uh, <laughs> it sort of makes sense that we hear everything in the background now. Oh, yeah, um, totally. The, the birds are crazier than ever here. I, I, I cannot record during the day because it'll just sound like I'll just sound like Tippy Hedron. This town is speaking of very loud birds is filled with giggling owls. <laughs> That becomes a real motif later on in the movie, which people are like, oh, is that a doctor giggles? No, that is an owl. That is a bird. <laughs> but, do, but do owls sound like they're laughing? Uh, these do. In Morehigh, the town is silly with them. Well, huh. I mean, everyone's got a silly laugh in Morehigh. <laughs> Larry Drake's laugh, by the way, is top notch. It is. I think that we can't talk enough about his character and the choices that he's making because he's making some choices yes yes and they could have gone wrong but yes. i don't feel that they do no no they're he's very controlled it. he's great in it 
I mean, to to date, he, I, I guess, previous to this, he would have been known to me in two things. One, I saw his name in TV Guide for L.A. Law. I never watched an episode. Oh, I Here's watched what L.A. I, Law. I don't know oh, why. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, you know, fifteen and watching L.A. Law. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, for what uh, TV on a Thursday night at, at ten p.m. probably just wasn't happening for me. Uh, all I know is that happened on L.A. Law is a lady fell down an elevator. And uh, one of the lawyers had a big problem in his romantic life because he was having sex with a Laker girl. I don't know how that's a problem, but it sure was for him. Well, I will tell you about his performance in a way that I I will try to sound as as sensitive as possible. His character was uh, mentally challenged. Mm. And I was shocked to discover that in real life, he was not mentally challenged. He he just, I mean, he was really genuine. I think he won a couple of Emmys for it. He was, oh, he did, yeah. Yeah, he was very good and extremely convincing. And, and he, you know, a lot of times when uh, one one movie I, I fall back on with terrible portray- portrayals of mentally challenged characters is Riding the Bus with My Sister with Rosie oh, O'Donnell. No. No. Oh, no. Which is just... I implore you to watch it because it is it is something else. You will never forget it. But he kind of takes a more subtle approach to it and is absolutely convincing. I I thought that they had hired somebody, you know, who was genuinely mentally challenged and he but he was just that good in it. Yeah, I he's he think I think he was studying with people who actually did have Down syndrome to be like a have a respectful. Yeah, portrayal. it was res, it was respectful. It was understated. You you he wasn't going in thinking, yeah, I'm going to come away with a handful of Emmys for this. You know, I mean, it was just it was just that good in it. Yeah, and I think they kept because he's so good. They kept writing his character more and more complex things. Anyway, right. I love L.A. Law, and I love Larry <laughs> Drake. But he like the the reason why that character existed is because he created it in the same way that Doctor Giggles. Could you imagine Doctor Giggles? I'm sorry, played by anyone fucking no. else? No, 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 yeah, no. no. Oh my god. No, I mean the the laugh does obviously like you can't imagine someone would have that laugh, but it also doesn't sound fake. Like, there's a real wonderful, gleeful, villainous portrayal going on here, much like what he does in Darkman a couple of years yes. prior to this, probably what won him this job as well. Yes. Is that he can portray cartoonish, outlandish ideas in a very grounded and cinematic way. And it doesn't read false. And I think if it did, this movie would have zero reputation like it's a lot of it is floating on his ability to glide in and out of every sequence with a sort of reserved panache Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's see here where are we oh we learned in a flashback that uh, young dr giggles was cutting open his stuffed animals and hastily uh suturing them back together (laughs) in a way that would set off alarm bells Almost any other household other than his father's. But mm. for some reason, this seems to be viewed as a very romantic and wonderful time they had together. Uh, also, we learned that in the house that they used to live in, they've boarded over his father's old uh, doctor's office and he has to hack into it with a, with a tire iron. <laughs> but his he gets his dad's old... Uh, doctor case which seems to be filled with the most deadly medical instruments known to man oh my god it's such a dead ringers move (laughs) it absolutely is oh my god see this and dead ringers are two films where it absolutely pulls it off whereas the weirdo medical instruments and i know who killed me 
Is that what that movie's called? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> With the blue plastic knives that you're like, that that is a not a real instrument of anything. That does not make any sense. Yeah, he has a lot of, he has a lot of medical instruments that I am dubious that they are actually real medical instruments. <laughs> like, what do they do? <laughs> like I, I don't know what that pump he was supposed to be using. Actually, what the actual stated purpose of, of, of that. Because yeah, I realize there's like suction machines, but not ones that have blades coming out of the, the front of the tube. He seems to have employed a medical use for a roto-rooter, which is what you <laughs> stick into a sink to clear clogs. Um, but, you know, it. I, I think about it and I get real grossed out. And you know what? The movie's doing its job. It's totally oh, awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that um, it shows just enough to be you know, kind of creepy and unnerving. Like, yes. again, to to go back to the scene um where he basically sticks the tube in it in Tamara, the you know, the mean girlfriend's, you know, in her mouth and sucks out the ice cream she'd just been eating. Yeah. And he like turns it, he turns it up. I mean, that's gross enough on its own. But then like it starts turning red and then it cuts away and that's it. It's like, oh, okay, ew. <laughs> but you know, it, it you know, in other movies it could have gone a little further than that, but it didn't need to. Yeah, yes. it's a classy film. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. It yeah. is a for, for a movie film. called Doctor Giggles, it's surprisingly <laughs> understated. I know, <laughs> I know. It's a real classy production, man. Uh, speaking of class, let's talk about Stu, his girlfriend Diane, and two people named Trotter and Lee. So they go to the Doctor Giggles Medical Center looking for clues. I don't quite understand the point of this other than to isolate a couple so that they can be killed off, but that's what happens. A, I would not hire Stu for a musical review show. He is a little underplayed in terms of that singy, songy uh, attempt at a Freddy Krueger, Dead Girls International Jump Rope Choir uh, sort of rendition. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's, it's a little uh, pallid. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, a little overcomplicated for a nursery rhyme. Let's put it that way. Uh, but inside of this dilapidated manor, we get some awesome graffiti. That's right. It's everyone's favorite game. Let's read the graffiti on the wall mm -hmm. that people haphazardly put up there. Uh, a couple of my favorites that I noticed along the way. Uh, quote, we're not in Oz anymore. I assume a obvious future reference to Dr. Oz. Uh, we also have squirrels killed my mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this and, is, this is pretty creative, you know, graffiti from, from, you know, an era in which, you know, the, the anarchy symbol was as scary as a God or, <laughs> or that, that weird S or, you know, maybe a spurting, yeah. a spurting penis or two that said that was usually the, the, <laughs> the, the height of, uh, of graffiti art. In small town America. Yeah. I mean, rarely did you see in graffiti space, someone just write Patty. Just <laughs> Patty. Like the art department has such a good time with that. I imagine they're just like, oh, they probably loved it. Uh, so somehow Stu has convinced everyone that they are going to search for the young boy that the Dr. Giggle senior uh, hid in, in what he believes was the walls. But they start tapping on walls that are right next to windows. That's not where you're going to find a bad Ronald. They're going to be on the internal walls, everyone. 
that's that's where you hide a bad Ronald. <laughs> true and so uh, during this search uh they separate from one another and Stu decides to plant uh like a a, a pickaxe in the door and somehow trap trotter and his girlfriend lee inside and uh whether this was a plan or it wasn't a plan uh lee is not falling for it and coaxes trotter to continue trying to get out of the door by grabbing his his nuts Oh, seductively? Uh, I don't know. His jeans are really loose. It's hard to tell what's happening. There. Yeah, again, with the whole, you know, these, these people actually like each other or is the town so small that they are forced to spend time together? Because, yeah. I don't know, locking my friends in an abandoned house is, is that that doesn't seem like, you know, something that pe- you do to people you whose company you actually enjoy. We will learn later on that Stu is a terrible planner. So just be par for the course. Stu, we also found out Stu's got some weird fetishes. Yes. Well, we'll get to that. We will get to that. Let's let's talk about uh, Trotter. Uh, oh, and, you mean uh, Dougie his, Doug? Dougie Doug. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned that it's fucking Dougie Doug. The like man a year who, before Cool Runnings came out and made yes. him kind of a star too. Yeah, he uh, had a, had himself a nice little film career going. Uh, and as much as I really like him, he is saddled with one of the weirder lines in the entire thing. And even he is able to pull it off, which I find amazing quote. Don't you, don't you know a classic stewism when you hear one that, that does not trip off the tongue. Everyone. No. And I had it written down. Uh, it's very hard to make a, a human being uh, sound uh, natural saying that, but uh, then Trotter does a fake out where you think maybe he looks into the keyhole and you think maybe, Oh, he's going to get his eyeball punctured. Uh, but that does not happen. He turns his back to the keyhole, and that is when Dr. Giggle strikes, and he shoots him full of um, simple grain or <laughs> Hulk blood, uh, ecto-cooler concentrate. I'm not sure what it is. It's just a very deep green. Oh, yeah, I, assumed uh, it was, I assumed it was acid of some kind. Sure, well, he starts to puke up his own guts, It's and that from a shot in the butt, no less. Was it it's his butt pretty, or his neck? I thought it was his, I thought it was the back of his neck. Uh, no, cause he, cause he does it through the keyhole and I don't think his neck was that Oh, low. right, right, right. Yeah. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there, everybody. We're breaking into the middle of the action of Dr. Giggles to talk a little bit about the kill by kill Patreon. Gina, what is the movement with those who deem us worthy of their hard earned ducats? Somehow inexplicably, miraculously, we just keep moving up. People want to keep giving us money. And I'm I happy for that. Please continue giving us your Please. money. Love it. Uh, uh, it, it. We we have four new patrons to to announce and thank. Those are Blake Sanchez, Trice Sanders, Stephen Gabbis, and Glenn Davies, who who sent a, a lovely message through Aww. through Patreon. I, I'm going to read it. Sure. It says, uh, Hey Patrick and Gina, just want to say a quick hello from Bonnie Scotland. You're hands down my favorite podcast. You're the first podcast I listened to when I started listening to podcasts about a year ago. Oh, he's the baby to podcast. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, et cetera, et cetera. So I quickly worked my way through your four years of Jason and Freddy fun and frolics whilst love that love it driving my truck. Your podcast has also let me discover other options such as we hate movies. 
Ah. Imagine that. We we inspire somebody to listen to We Hate Movies. We're a gateway to We Hate Movies. I like uh, it. Talk is Jericho, uh, WTF with Mark Marin, and Something to Wrestle. I've enjoyed the journey so much that I've decided to join the Patreon. Looking forward to many more episodes. Keep up the great work, and I am eternally grateful for you introducing me to the phrases fuck horse and drug rug. And then, <laughs> and then he sent three, and then he sent three smiley emojis. <laughs> I'm so happy that we could introduce these words into your lexicon. I, for one, feel very happy that drug rug is something that is exploding across the internet. <laughs> um, it's just a delightful uh, bit of phraseology uh, that I hope outlives us all. Um, and so really, uh, the thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on and keep this podcast free for you as much as, I would like to think that podcasting requires very little investment. It turns out it requires an astounding amount of investment over there. Mostly, mostly our time, but also yeah. some money too. <laughs> yes. None of the technology we use is free. And uh, so thank you very much uh, for helping us keep the lights on that way. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, we are, we are using your money wisely in weeding out uh, films that sound like they would be great for the show, but in, in truth are not. And finding some real gems that we can't wait to bring your way, such as Dr. Giggles. Uh, you know, I would not have been, you know, that German Blu-ray did not come across the ocean for free. <laughs> so thank you very much uh, for bringing it to these shores. Um, and of course, if you have the time and the wherewithal, please rate and review us on iTunes. I know you hear that from every podcast, but right now, um, not the most flattering description of us is, is currently what meets new listeners. <laughs> so if you haven't, or even if you have, or you, uh, you have a, a significant other whose iPhone happens to be unlocked, please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, if you love the show and tell us why, if you tell us, uh, you know, what character death you love from one of the movies that we covered, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it here on the air again. And uh, because, uh, we love you, our Kill by Kill listeners. And so with that, Gina, I say we get right back into the action of Dr. Giggles. What do you say? Let's go. Yeah. Um, so he, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's his butt or it's his thigh or it's his spine. I don't know. I, Whatever. I swear it's the spine. I think it's a spinal guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a spinal tap, uh, mm-hmm. as it were, that would tap into America. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that would have a, putting something into, into your spine, I think would have a more immediate reaction, putting something in your butt cheek. Yeah. I don't know how uh, medically accurate Dr. Giggles is. Uh, it is a lot of fun to watch people throw up their own guts. Uh, it's a, it's a nice, uh, it's a kind of death you haven't seen in a little while, unless you've been watching Fulci 24 uh, sevs. Um, and should you really? You probably shouldn't be. No. And then after after this, uh, Dr. Giggles enters the room and finds Lee and her amazing patchwork vest uh, <laughs> and uh, refills his uh, hypodermic needle, his overly long hypodermic needle with said acid gunk. And uh, we can assume that she gets the same treatment. It is rather unfortunate 
uh, that the black couple is killed off so quickly, especially yeah. when they are some of the best actors in the entire film. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, my if I could raise one eyebrow, I would have been raising it at that scene. Yeah, uh, it is a throwback to a, a time that I'd rather not relive. And Doctor Giggles, if it has a misstep, that's probably its biggest. And and also comparing playing a saxophone to to performing oral sex, <laughs> which is is it is not. I don't play the saxophone. I know people that do. Uh-huh. And and if you tried either of those, switched off either of the techniques used. In either of those situations, you would be asked to never do those things ever again. It is a rather extended look at someone giving a saxophone a blowjob. <laughs> it it goes on for quite a while. Yeah, uh, I, I think the I think her friend who just kind of gives up and walks away is kind of the she, audience react surrogate in that scene. <laughs> she has the right idea. There's a lot of smart characters in this. We've already talked about how this town is full of giggling owls. Then uh, we go to Mrs. Henderson's home. Um, I like that she has the same haircut as her dog. <laughs> yeah. Erica. Her dog is named Erica, Erica, which I love. I love, I love in real life and in movies when people give their pets human names. I yes. love it so much. I love it. Uh, my dog, Nigel Tufnell, would agree. And uh, she's interrupted uh, from her nightly ritual, I assume, of watching Ben Casey with a tumbler full of scotch. And, uh, reading, and reading and reading the Weekly World News later, which <laughs> was, which made me so sentimental for my grandmother. God rest her soul. She read that every week. I mean, they've got great deals on $5 train sets. Say what you will. <laughs> um, but uh, she goes up to the Dr. Giggles residence and sees an eye behind the door, immediately calls the police. Um, this is our introduction to the police here. Uh, and uh, we see them first at the party on, quote unquote, Breeders Hill. Once again, this is a very horny movie. Yes. Yeah, everybody, everybody is making out. It's like fucking Caligula there. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I wasn't a big partier in high school, but I mean, when I did go to parties, most people were just kind of sitting around playing video games or watching some dude play the guitar or, <laughs> or, or just getting drunk. But there weren't just people just, just laying out in the open, just making out and fondling each other. Like they're, <laughs> like they're Plato's retreat or something. <laughs> I mean, like it's you, the grotto at the Playboy Man. Yeah, I mean, usually you kind of snuck to like a back room or something to do that. You weren't just doing that out in front of people. Uh, but officers Magruder and Wrights uh, flush everyone out of the area of Breeders Hill by playing the parties over, and we get a great overhead shot of the entire area. They're overlooking a town fair, as it were. Uh, we will later go to that town fair, um, but we have to talk about uh, the unfortunate end of mr mrs henderson's run i like that mrs henderson walks like robert de niro and the irishman there's a, a hunch <laughs> it's like she's being propelled by a propeller on her butt and she just moves forward that way but her her top half doesn't move as much well i mean if you listen to uh officer uh the, the kind of gruff older cop she has hemorrhoids so <laughs> that might explain why she's walking like that yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't understand his uh, illusion that she would find a rapist in her bottle of uh, hemorrhoid, hemorrhoid, hemorrhoid cream. cream. <laughs> I don't 
what is going on with his bottles of hemorrhoid grape? What, what is <laughs> that a thing? It's, it's, apparently it's not uncommon to see faces in hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> You guys, I mean, do you guys remember like the early '90s when there was like women were asking for rights, and uh, <laughs> um, and so like the big joke was always like from you know like Drew Carey show to any anything else was just like oh, women are just so overacting. Oh my god, they think everyone's a rapist, and then it's like. Everyone oh, was yeah. a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> Turn, turns out it wasn't really a false alarm so much as an actual Surprise. alarm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Okay. <sighs> yes. Uh, what a wonderful era. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Mrs. Anderson, uh, she's distracted in the middle of her pill ritual, uh, and her red pill is replaced with a sickly taupe one oh, it's like an off green anyways she takes it she's she, just like she's like yep swallow that pill i mean <laughs> yeah. you know i i i mean i i don't i'm fortunate that i don't need to take medication regularly but i i maybe you do get into a habit of just you know see a pill on your on your bathroom sink just clomp, gulp you know i mean yeah just I, take I, it I, I i figure you know you at least would notice that hey this isn't the color of my usual pill <laughs> You know? <laughs> I mean, there is that phenomenon of like a lot of people all get into car accidents very near their home because parts of their brain just take over and they they don't see a car there when they're going through an intersection. They just assume it's not there and they're like, oh, well, she, also, she, she also has some important you know, Elvis sightings to read about. That's so right. I yes. guess she was in a hurry. And she's got uh, bigger fish to fry. One of those bigger fish is how big her phone is. There's so much phone on that phone. It's a triple decker. There's a base of the phone, the phone, and then this other thing sitting on the phone. It's a lot of phone. For well, that, one that, phone. that was, that was the nineties. He hadn't guess. streamlined things yet. Oh my God. It's like a, the size of a suitcase. And I say this as someone who lived through this era, but uh, her dog makes a beat for the doggy door that it didn't know how to use earlier. And then uh, Dr. Giggles, as she is sort of uh, paralyzed by the medication that he's replaced, decides to look inside her mouth uh, with a tongue depressor. We, we got a nice we little, we, we got a nice little, uh, um, little, little shop of horrors. Yeah, yes. Shop of horrors. Yeah. I mean, the best inside of the mouth POV I've seen in a minute. It's, you know, you don't do that on the fly. You decide to do that well in advance. This movie is trying, baby, and I love mm-hmm. to watch it. He, he brings out one of those dubious surgical tools, which appears to be some sort of nasal device that's about uh, about a foot long. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! This one, this I one, mean, th- this one made me like cringe. I was just like, ah. it's got it, it does one of those things, and I, I'll say it. I think it's even a little bit more successful than Total Recall at shoving something up someone's nose. Well, again, like, it, it it cuts away at just the right time. Yeah, you know, they they knew how much you know they could get away with showing as far as both ratings wise, and also how much they get away with as far as their special effects budget would allow them. So again, it's more suggested than anything else. You hear this little kind of little crunch sound, which is like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you you get the idea. You don't need to see it. Man, there's some cool looking effects in this sequence. Let's we get a bunch of backstory about. We why should Jim say Frank's also that Greg doctors. Nicotero and Robert, um, uh, what's his name. Uh, uh, the, the effects department was huge. Uh, Robert Kurtzman, a, a bunch of people who are so, so good were on the effects. Is this a KNB joint? It is, it, yeah. 
Yes. Okay. Then that makes sense because they're very, very good. And this stuff stands the test of time. That's the other thing about it. When you have nice physical effects, like it doesn't look bad later on. It only looks better than it mm-hmm. really existed. Um, so yeah, uh, Jennifer goes, you know, tells us her sorrowful backstory about her, her mom dying in a hospital. And I don't mean to belittle that in any way, shape or form, but it is the basic, this is why I hate doctors and why she would ultimately be afraid of a doctor hunting her. But that really doesn't come to bear in this section of the movie. That'll be uh, more in the second half. One of the cops has a nice line here where he says, he was ahead of his time, but out of his mind, which sounds like a great unused tagline for Dr. Giggles. It does. Yeah. And uh, then Dr. Giggles looks like he's going to go to Jennifer's house, but notices Stu and Diane hopping out of his uh, Suzuki Jeep. <laughs> mm-hmm. A vehicle no longer for sale because they would fall over when you turned a corner and uh, they head right up to their bedroom. They're, they're going to do it, y'all. They're finally going to make it happen. And how they, be- how they how they celebrating this this most momentous occasion <laughs> by by Stu asking her to wear his mother's lingerie. Oh my <laughs> god. How is that possible? How, why is that his thing? I mean, look, we all have our issues and Stu figured it out really early on in life, so <laughs> You know, more power to him. And and he has no shame about admitting where he got this lingerie from. I mean, you would think he'd be like, oh, yeah, I ordered it from Frederick's just for you. (laughs) Nope. He's like, I stole this out of my mom's luggage. (laughs) It would be sexier if you said I swiped this from Sears. Mm -hmm. don't associate this with your parents. And that is super and it's weird. Not the second, and it's not the you know, the only time he associates his mother with what they're doing. <laughs> because he mentions later, ever since I saw my mom's Victoria's Secret catalog, dude, just say a Victoria's Secret catalog. <laughs> you, you you don't need to qualify it with it's my mom's. Like he was embarrassed to admit that he might have had a Victoria's Secret catalog. Oh, uh, that's the that would be the craziest thing for a heterosexual male. To have possession of. at like um, age 18 <laughs> i mean he is he does seem amazed at a lot of stuff when that aforementioned uh condom is presented to him his first reaction is where did you get this it's a rubber man it's not a fucking moon rock like they're available and, and also again he he apparently thinks you can put a condom on when you're flaccid so <laughs> we're all, we're off to an amazing start. Yeah. A, a passionate evening of, of, of satisfying lovemaking here. It is also entirely possible that he is a walking hard on. That is the one that he has. He's already started an erection and has completely maintained it this entire time. Listen, being a teenager is fun, y'all. It doesn't last. Anyways, uh, he though? tries to put on. <laughs> Not walking around erection level, like that's a very special time in the dude's life. Anyways, he managed. He, he tries to put on this this rubber, and it uh, flies off of his penis into a toilet. <laughs> oh man! I... <laughs> like it's spring loaded, and then he goes, "Oh, I got a solution for this." Grabs a toothbrush. Now I'm assuming this is not his toothbrush. That this is his brother's toothbrush. 
but I can't verify that to be true. But he then takes a f- four minutes to try to get a condom out of a toilet bowl with a toothbrush. I do appreciate that he is apparently willing to put this condom on his body, but he won't just use his hand to get it out of the toilet. Yeah. The, the fucking sinks right there. Like how allergic are dudes to washing their fucking hands? Well, I think we're seeing that now. Uh, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. April makes a good point. I mean, given current events, it turns out a lot of people are very averse to washing their hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Little did we know, but apparently we yeah, all knew. Dr. Just Giggles is it. a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, But this gives Diane a little too much time on her hands. She wanders around his, what I think is a very accurate teenage boy's bedroom. It is not overdressed. It just looks like bare walls and random pictures. So who was it? So the girl in the picture that she's pulling down, that's not her? Did they, are we... Did we establish who that is and why he left the pictures up? His mom? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I I assume an ex-girlfriend or something like that. Just a a girl that is not her. I have the German (laughs) Blu-ray. Sure. Because apparently this is what Patreon money does to me. I'm like, oh, is there an all-region German Blu-ray <laughs> of Dr. They spell, Giggles? Do they spell Dr. D-O-K-T-O-R? Yes, they do. Hair Dr. Giggles. Hair Dr. Giggles. <laughs> um, it, it does not come with English subtitles, but it does have the English language track. It is supposedly unrated. I have yet to see anything in the unrated version that is in the rated version that would be available for rental on like a... Amazon or a Voodoo or anything. Yeah, I'm like just that. watching but, it. I'm just watching it on Stars. Like if you're <laughs> if you're listening to this, you can watch it on Stars for free. Yeah. But uh, she decides to go out because she is cold. She's going to uh, bump up the thermostat. Uh, she, I assume, is knows going into this that she won't be gathering a lot of body warmth from Stu because that won't last long. And she turns up the ther- thermostat, and lo and behold, who's there? But Doc G himself. And he has heard her uh, talk about feeling cold and decided to take her temperature with the most violent looking thermometer ever conceived. Yeah, this is, again, he, 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 it's like he's modified everything to have blades on the end. Of <laughs> he's like, he's had like a lot of time on his hands. You know? Yes. Yes, he has. Like there's like uh, tiny blades at the end of this thermometer. It is like an ice pick. It, 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 yeah, it's like a it's it's a sort of like like a reconstructed thermometer, like a like a meat thermometer with like a <laughs> like a several inches long uh, um, probe on it, and then there's like a little exacto blade, exacto knife blade at the end of it. Yes, and he asks her to open her mouth, and she does. And, uh, okay, uh, and then he puts it in her mouth, and then puts his full palm up against it and shoves it. Uh, through her tongue, and I assume through the back of her head. And it, again, this is a cutaway gag. You don't actually see the damage. Um, so classy, Dr. Giggles, very classy. I don't know if that was an MPAA thing or if there was ever a version that had results, but on the unrated disc, there's no aftermath. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I think it's just, you know, they they knew it, they knew how far they could, they could go with it. Yeah. yeah. So Stu uh, finally fishes that condom out of the toilet. It turns out there are two holes in it. So that was going to work out well for all of them. 
Yeah, it was a bad idea anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the is honestly, Dr. Giggles prevented teen pregnancy is what it comes down to. <laughs> and so Stu, uh, before going out, doesn't wash his hand, does, uh, put on his hat <laughs> and <laughs> reveals that he is into this lingerie because his mom's, uh, Victoria's secret catalog and decides to climb under the covers to which he finds a supplying and very sexy Larry Drake. <laughs> <laughs> just chilling just oh, so hanging good. out and certainly uh while uh, I, I don't want to body shame anyone here but larry drake and the actress playing diane are different body shapes <laughs> yeah well, the lights are out though come on that's true he can barely <laughs> see anything with the floodlights coming in through his window that's yeah, great um what i do like and of course uh doc g hangs a scalpel uh, he's ready uh, for Stu. And, and then we see this swirling upward shot that is scored apparently by air, by music from the motion picture airplane. It goes, <laughs> 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 As it goes up. That's Brian May, man. That's, that's some, uh, that's some queen legend uh, guitarist happening right there. Now, I don't know if it's the, this is a thing that we've run into before. I think it's Australian Brian May, uh, the guy who uh, did a lot of, uh, he, he scored a lot of Ozploitation movies um, and not that Brian May. But then again, I don't know because they, they spell their names the exact same way. I don't, I think this one actually is Brian May. Is it? Yeah. Then every time I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this one is Bohemian Rhapsody Man. Okay. Uh, either way, it totally works. is a fantastic section, but uh, after I heard, after you see it and hear it swirling up, all I could think of was that section of airplane where they cut to the guy goes, "I say, let him die." <laughs> uh, and then we learned that uh, Doctor Giggles has severed Stu's penis, and honestly, it's for the best. Yeah, 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 and nothing of value was lost. <laughs> So uh, after this, Dr. Giggles goes downstairs and sees uh, Stu's little brother is still playing Dr. Mario with a technique that I have not seen on a joystick since Freddy Krueger. It's just nonsensical. Uh, But uh, anyways, uh, we cut to uh, Jennifer's house where we learn she has been drinking white wine alone, looking at pictures of her parents' uh, wedding and uh, listening to her dad have uh, very sweaty sex. I never want to hear that again. I never want to hear Cliff DeYoung ever simulate sex ever again. Yeah. And simulate he does. Uh, This drives her a little bit of bad. She's got to get out of there. And so when she leaves, Dr. Giggles comes in the back door and he slams the door hard enough for for Cliff DeYoung to stop having sex. So you know it had to be loud. He comes downstairs. He notices the bottle of wine and goes, I got to find my daughter. (laughs) Then Tamara's like, uh, no, you don't. You need to continue having sex with me. This is sex time. And he's like, nope, I got to go. And so uh, she decides to take out that frustration on a very melty bowl of ice cream. It is exceedingly large. Oh, God, I would eat all of it right now. <laughs> if I could find ice cream, <laughs> I would eat all of it. <laughs> And uh, she kind of regrets it after the fact. I don't know if she's actually feeling guilty 
or she's just overly full of ice cream because she eats that whole fucking bowl. And but Doctor Giggles happens to be in her bedroom when she gets back to it, and uh, as we said before, he decides to roto rooter it out of her in a sequence that has to be seen to be believed. I actually love this part of the movie. I love every part of this movie. It's fun. It really is. And and, and like I said, the the part with the uh, whatever suction machine that is, it, it, it's it's great and it's gross and it you know it goes just far enough. And, and you're you don't feel too bad for anyone yet outside of Trotter and Lee. I mean, they didn't deserve what was coming to them, but I think everyone else had it coming. Uh, maybe not the hospital staff. No, yeah. I forget it. <laughs> Uh, everyone is innocent and guilty. Uh, but that brings us, of course, once again to everyone's uh, favorite segment, and that is choose your own death venture. And that is where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this section of the movie, which one would you, would you choose to die from and why? Up for bid, we have uh, non-elective heart surgery uh, and disarmament. <laughs> I guess. Um, however, the nurse dies. Uh, she's just killed off screen. Uh, you could have your throat slashed. You could have a toxic injection to either the butt or spine or just a regular toxic injection injection somewhere else. You have Mrs. Henderson's nose exam tool to the brain. Diane's thermometer through the back of her head. Stu's dismembered penis. And of course, an ice cream roto-rooter. And, uh, you know, as our guest, April, I choose you to go first. Oh, fuck. I'm a... <laughs> I'm a roto-rooter girl, I think. Because, like, it's a gift that I use a lot, too. Sure. Um, and But you get ice cream ahead of it. Yeah. And I just love her character so much because she's just, like, such a pouty bitch. And you're like, you know she's going to die. <laughs> And, you know, she's just, like, kind of built for the horror genre to be, like, you know, ticked off in a really cool kill. So, sure. But, yeah, I just think it's it's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> uh, I think that's perfectly valid. Gina, what say you? Gosh, I don't know. You know me. I always try to go for the quick death. Mm-hmm. So, uh, man, um I, I guess the the thermometer through the back of the head that that seems like something that that would take you out pretty quickly. I mean, you you realize you are going to die in someone's mother's lingerie, though. Oh yeah, that is how you are going to be found. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I'll just take it. My heart cut out. That's all right. <laughs> it's a quick left. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going with dismembered penis. There's no way. <laughs> And I'm not going with toxic injection. I think I'm going to take non-elective heart surgery and disarmament. Because um, <laughs> at least I'm passed out for that. Disarmament, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and my arms would go on to lovingly touch a nurse. Uh, something I've always thought about, my dis, uh, my dismembered uh, arms uh, stroking the nurse's shoulders. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yet somehow that is still less weird than asking your girlfriend to wear your mother's lingerie. Or giving a saxophone a blowjob, <laughs> which are two other things that happen in this movie. <laughs> it's just that good of a movie. 
and so uh, that that brings us pretty much to the end. Uh, April, before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find more from you in this world? Oh, God. Do they want to? I don't. Yes, absolutely they want to. I'll tell you right now, if they're not listening to Switchblade Sisters, they're crazy. That is a great and fantastic show with wonderful guests. And I love the movies that you guys talk about. Oh, well, I'm 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 not worthy. You guys are very sweet. Um, but yeah, I guess listen to Switchblade Sisters and I'm on Twitter far too much to both calm and ratchet up my anxiety. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do it today. Yeah. And you know, hopefully when production gets back up, I will have a few more movies coming out, but everything is stopped now. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We're in the same boat on that one. Uh, all right, Gina, uh, where can people find you on these here internets? I am a writer at The Spool. That's thespool.net in which I um, review movies and television shows. Uh, I am also on Twitter under Porcelain72, although I've been pulling away a little bit recently because I have become addicted to Animal Crossing. Oh. Uh, it, it, it is taking everything in my power to not turn this into the Animal Crossing podcast, but <laughs> but it is a bomb to my soul, and I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, listeners, if you have children who have switches, I implore you to go and take them away from them. They should be doing their homeschooling and and order and order Animal Crossing for yourself. It's better than Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> you just do you just today. you just fish and collect building materials. That's all you do. That is that is the primary focus of Animal Crossing, and it's wonderful. And pay off your debts. Yes. Um, it's something that all of us fantasize of. Uh, of course, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Kill by Kill Pod. Uh, you can reach out to us uh, via email for longer longer requests at uh, Kill by Kill Pod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on the Instagram. Come and check us out. We're fun sometimes. And of course, we have a Patreon. Um, where uh, we have uh, specials uh, just uh, a couple months ago, uh, although last week in the actual time frame, where we talked about uh, Glenn Danzig's Veronica, which is a movie of and some we, kind. We have not recovered from that yet. That That is a motion picture that also references great European horror films and does not know what the fuck to do with them. Mm. It, <laughs> it, it is a thing. And I don't, I I am still processing what it is, but I did learn that everyone in downtown Los Angeles has a French accent, so there's that. <laughs> um, and that just about does it. So uh, next time we'll be back with more Doctor Giggles to finish it off. Uh, and so for myself, for Gina, and for April, bye bye everybody. Bye. bye.